Hello everyone, I'm your host Audie, and welcome to the first ever episode of Audius, a show where I dabble into the most gut-wrenching, gruesome, and Audius crimes of them all. Now, before I get into it, I want to say first of all, thank you very much for tuning in. It's much appreciated. Second, before each episode, I want to do a little segment where we can be a little more united. I want this to be our show. So, if you have any audience stories of your own or any case recommendations, feel free to email somethingaudious at gmail.com. That's somethingaudious at gmail.com. Alright, let's get right into it. Today's case is a, it's pretty popular, but it's also one of the most disgusting cases I've ever heard. And I want to start out by saying a little trigger warning. If you are sensitive to things such as sexual assault, physical assault, and literally anything worse that you can imagine, I would highly recommend turning this off and go watch some cartoons or turn on some cool jazz or something because this might not be the episode for you i mean it's it's bad you guys and honestly after this i don't think i'm ever going to feast my eyes or ears on this case ever again because it is just that bad today we are talking about the case of junko furuda junko was born november 22nd 1971 in masato japan and I apologize in advance, I might butcher some of these names. Junko was a 17-year-old high school girl and was noted as popular, good-looking, she didn't smoke or drink, she got good grades, and was just a pretty good student. Now, with being good-looking and popular, she would have a few crushes lined up, and one of these crushes was Hiroshi. Now, Hiroshi was noted as the high school bully and he was associated with a very dangerous Japanese gang. This gang was known as the Yakuza, and Hiroshi would often use this as a threat, which we will see later in the story was successful. So one day Hiroshi decided to ask Junko out, but unfortunately she was not interested in him. Hiroshi was not used to being told no, and he did not take it lightly, this angered him to no end. He was dead set on revenge. On November 25th, 1988, Junko was biking home from her part-time job when a boy had pushed off her bike and ran. To Hiroshi's avail, he ran over to help her and offered to escort her home. Unknowing of his motives, Junko accepted the offer. This would create a downfall as Hiroshi and his friends, Sinji Minato, Kami Sakuyo, and Yasushi Watanabe all had planned to kidnap her and change her life forever. Hiroshi had led Junko to an abandoned warehouse where he had raped her repeatedly. After that, he took her to a park where he invited his friend Shinji and they had raped her there as well multiple times. 
During this, they had rummaged through her belongings and eventually found um, something with her address on it. And they used that against her and said, hey, if you don't comply with us, we are going to kill your family. Because we can. Because we're in a dangerous gang. So, as a result of that, they had kidnapped her and had taken her to Shinji's house. Now, her parents eventually became concerned as she wasn't returning home when she should be. And like any concerned parent, they had called the police and reported her missing and eventually they began a manhunt. Obviously, the boys were scared shitless and they forced Junko to call her parents and made her say that she was safe, but she was running away and to beg them to call off the manhunt. And they did because they had assumed that Junko was happy running away and that she was safe. So that's just what they did. Now, obviously the boys did not live alone since they had taken her to Shinji's parents' house, essentially. They had made her pose as Shinji's girlfriend, so that way they didn't suspect anything. Eventually, they found out the severity of the case, but Shinji's parents were too afraid of him and the gang to actually do anything. The next 44 days that Junko would go through was filled with unimaginable torture and abuse. During her first week or so, she was raped over 400 times by different men. She was starved and malnourished, but just enough to keep her alive, and when they did feed her, it would be roaches and her own urine. When they were abusing her, she would be forced to masturbate and strip in front of them. She would also have foreign objects like light bulbs, barbecue skewers, scissors, and other heinous objects inserted into her vagina and anus. A little more into her days, she would be severely beaten, her face would be smashed against concrete, her hands would be tied to the ceiling, and her body would be used as a punching bag. They would even drop dumbbells on her stomach, and as a result of that, she couldn't hold any food or water, she would immediately throw it up, and that would just make the boys angrier. The beating would get so bad that eventually she was unable to walk properly and it took her about an hour to crawl downstairs to use the bathroom. There would be fireworks inserted into her ears, mouth, vagina, and anus, and they would be lit and set off. Her hands were smashed with weights. She would be beaten with iron rods and bamboo sticks. She would be forced to sleep in the cold, remind you that this was the middle of December and negative temperature. They would also force her to sleep in a freezer. Her left nipple was cut off, and her brain size was reduced massively. Another result of the traumas that she experienced, she was not able to control any of her urinary movements or bowel movements, which in turn would make the boys angrier. However, in the midst of all this, there were two incidences where she almost survived. The first situation was when they had invited one of their friends over by the name of Kiyochi Ihara. He was invited over, he told his brother about the situation, and had called the police. The police came over to the Minato residence and they had said that there was no girl there and that they can take a look if they want to, but the police didn't do anything. They didn't go inside, they didn't ask questions. They just took their word for it and went along 
The second time was Junko herself got to a phone, but Hiroshi caught her and told the police that it was an accidental call. Unfortunately, she was punished for this and they had doused her legs in lighter fluid and set them on fire. Now, one can only take so much torture and Junko eventually just pled to them like kill me please kill me and just end it all and the boys were like okay if you win this game of mojang which mojang is just a chinese tile game based on chinese symbols and characteristics i couldn't really understand how to play the game but if you're really curious there are a lot of videos out there that explains it anyway she had won the game and that angered the boys even more so they had tortured her and lit her body on fire, burned her eyes with candlesticks, and you guys, this lasted two whole hours. And on January 4th, 1989, Junko had lost her life due to these insidious crimes. Now, police hadn't discovered her body until two weeks after her death. See, Hiroshi and Sinji were interrogated on a separate gang rape charge. They had raped another girl when Jungo's body was unappealing to them. They had tortured her so much that they no longer took an interest in her. So as a result of that, they had targeted a 19-year-old girl and raped her and set her free. However, there was also a double murder homicide going on at the same time that they had been torturing Junko and the same time that Junko had died and they had brought that up because the police had thought that they were involved in that but Hiroshi mistaked the murder investigation as Junko's so they had confessed and revealed to Junko's body when the police actually had no idea about Junko of course, they were charged and put into prison for the crimes they committed. However, their sentences and charges were a slap on the wrist compared to the crimes they committed. I mean, they weren't even charged for murder. They were charged with bodily injury that resulted in death. And the reason for this was that they were minors at the time of the crime. Hiroshi, the parent leader of the group, was sentenced to 20 years in prison and was released in 2009. Shinji, who later changed his name to Nobuharu, was sentenced to nine years in prison. Yasushi received a four to seven year sentence, and Joe received a eight year sentence in Juvie and was released in 1999. Now, Joe went off to brag about his murderous history and eventually went to assault a man that he thought his girlfriend or wife was cheating with. Listen, I am not the type of person to tell their aftermath or what they're doing now because honestly, I don't think they deserve it. I think they should still be rotting in prison and shouldn't be free. So if you are interested in that and wondering where they are, then Google is your best friend. I'm sure there's tons of information on that. And that is the unfortunate case of Junko Furuta, an amazing girl who came across the path of sick and twisted men. Junko deserved better, 
and her name shall live on and not be forgotten. I think it's very important to talk about cases like this, even though they're very disturbing, because these things still do happen. People get angry at rejection and they turn to violence. And unfortunately, that's the case for many, many people. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, feel free to give us a follow at Audius Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to submit any stories or case recommendations you have to somethingaudius at gmail.com. I will see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Bye.